Courtney, we're back. Yes, we are. We have two more guests today. Again, so we have Daniela Fairchild. She is the Director of Education at the Office of Innovation in Rhode Island. And Stephen Osborne, who is the Chief of Innovation at the Rhode Island Department of Ed. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about your roles and what you're doing in Rhode Island uh, for personalized learning? Sure. Uh, our office is a governor's initiative founded uh, just under two years ago, and a lot of what we do is uh, think of myself as an old switchboard, telephone switchboard operator, mm -hmm. uh, or a blocker and tackler. Steve so was just talking about football before we, uh, before we started recording. But um, our office helps connect um, and tackle entrenched problems, connect folks across uh, the ecosystem in Rhode Island and help tackle entrenched problems in non-traditional different ways, infuse a little bit of innovation into often bureaucratic or uh, sedentary systems. Um, and so I'll let Steve kind of talk about a lot of the work that is going on from the, the high level at the state um, and then I can add in a little bit of our district partnerships and things like that. Great. Good morning. So this is uh, Steve Osborne, and uh, we're doing a lot of work at the Rhode Island Department of Education to help really support and uh, create a landscape and ecosystem of regulations and, and guidance to schools and districts that help support uh, the expansion of blended personalized learning, mm. and also trying to create different mechanisms that help folks pull it in in the ways that are most comfortable to them. We've done a lot of work and did a presentation earlier this morning on uh, some of our work in the course access space, and uh, we've done a, in a very short period of time have a tremendous amount of kids who are benefiting from those types of experiences and uh, really trying to build opportunities for folks locally uh, to determine what best needs to be supported for their children. And so it's been really fun to be able to tap on that energy, that passion, that interest that exists uh, locally within our schools. Uh, within that, uh, we're doing a ton of work to really make sure that all of our kids graduate college and career ready. Uh, that's something I think everyone says, um, but we've set some really big, really clear goals, which I think um, fit in well. Um, but uh, one of the goals we set in our state ESSA plan is that every single Rhode Island high school graduate should graduate high school with a post-secondary credential value mm -hmm. by 2025. Uh, sounds like a big goal, it is, um, but we, we believe that that will lead our educators to develop meaningful pathways for all of our students, uh, whether they arrive at high school behind, uh, whether they're a language learner or they have an IEP, is you should be able in those high school years to be able to, to provide and develop an experience that helps meet the needs of every single child in our school. So, um, you know, when you're here, it's uh, amazing to see the, the energy, the passion, the interest of how you can really bring that to life if you leverage the great opportunities that are out there. Yeah. I think that's um, something that's really fun about our ecosystem in Rhode Island as well, is what Steve just talked about was a lot of uh, opening access, opening barriers, uh, decreasing barriers, allowing for the possibilities, uh, um, setting, setting high expectations and then allowing for districts and schools to kind of take that and run with it in the ways that make sense for them and for their students. And that's, what I think, something that's really cool about the ecosystem in Rhode Island is we have a number of nonprofit partners, uh, game on ready districts, and through our office being able to connect a lot of those dots and help folks see pathways and um, troubleshoot as they're uh, as they're engaging in this work, that ride is set forth. How do we, um, you know, go? How do we block and tackle on certain issues, or how do we um, think about an approach in an innovative way? We've got this really cool idea that fits into this very important broad goal that we have. How does that go about happening in our schools? How does it really work for English language learners? How does it really work for right. students with disabilities? So, do districts? Um do they come to you, or is it more like you have kind of expected regular contact with them? So how does it come to be that um, 
district or school would call you up and say, I need the switchboard? We have uh, two, two sort of specific ways. One is um, we work with some districts through uh, a design challenge, so mm -hmm. we tackle uh, Again, problems in non-traditional ways. So we uh, ask districts to raise their hand and say, we're doing this work, we're interested in um, connecting more broadly to, to the state ecosystem, um, we'd like to engage in this design process with you. And then through that process, identified schools that we're working most directly with. Okay. And then um, secondarily is we have uh, an education innovation uh, network and an education innovation cluster in Rhode Island and through that cluster we bring districts so we sort of the collective bring districts schools researchers uh, nonprofit partners um, community members corporate partners uh, to the table mm. and so folks who are either um, interested in and want to get a better handle on kind of what other folks are up to right. or engaging in individual problems of practice that they want to get some uh, get some new knowledge on yeah, yeah, can yeah. come to Eduvate, which is our branded education innovation cluster. Oh that's nice. Fantastic. Yeah that's cool. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. So how does this how does this relate because what I'm assuming here is you are more Stephen working at the department where your department, Daniela, seems to be is it is it a Parallel? Is it is it underneath? Is it? We we think of it as like three legs of a stool, okay. and really solid work. I mean, a stool needs all three legs to stand. Right. We need the regulatory body of Ride to offer strategic direction and um, to play that SEA role. Yep. There are times when the SEA, it's not. The SEA is not best de designed to do everything. Right. And so we have our SEA as ride strategic direction, we have our districts doing strong work, and then our office is sort of that third leg of a stool. So we're a sort of quasi-public in the sense that we carry the bully pulpit of the governor um, in her office, but we don't, we are not a regulatory body. Yep. So we can bring folks together in different ways that doesn't carry the reputation that our SEA often does. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, is that a little less intimidating for schools and districts to to be able to come together rather than like a department of ed and it's yeah. like no we're just providing a place here this is how we can help so. no it's, it's been really fun to have and again it's a question we get asked a lot it's like how does it all actually come together and it, it what it does allow like you said is it allows very different types of conversations where i think historically when you really look at where state education agencies came from is it really started at the same time that federal requirements were beefed up yep. and not surprisingly most of the work that we do and most of the things we're tasked with doing are some form of compliance activities um, I don't think of my role as that because I find that in, intrinsically unmotivating. Um, I think it's, you know, I, I view my role as more, uh, we have a set of goals. So the goals are outcomes and opportunities for kids. Um, and how do we shift our regulatory uh, roles and responsibilities to support that? Where it's really great to have a partner is um, the SEA is not designed to be super flexible. They're not designed to be super nimble. Um, and um, if we were to pick something, my guess is we'd probably make a lot of bad bets. Um, and uh, wouldn't have the best investment track record. That's not to say we don't have great and amazing folks, yeah. but that's to say that you need to approach the work that we're leading with humility and respect for the right. folks who are actually in the classroom doing it. Um, so I know what I would do if I was running a set of schools again, um, and that you know would not be the same in each of those different you know buildings, communities, grade levels. And so what's really great to have a set of partners is Danielle and her team can go deep, um, right. really get into those conversations. But folks aren't worried about you know if I want to push the edges of teacher certification or. Uh, standards or you know some of the other types of pieces and where they can really have a conversation that's focused on it 
and then we can work together to figure out what we should do to be able to make sure that our, our again our educators and our schools and our classrooms feel like they're set up for success. That's good. Yeah, I like that it's not really a competing interest that you guys partner together to make to allow that to happen. That's one example um, that's a little in the weeds, but I think really cool and something we're working on right now is uh, Steve's team, Steve's, the data side of Steve's team, um, has a repository for uh, open education resources that were stored, created, stored, and not often very well used. Um, yeah frankly. Yeah. But we've got this great resource that had been created and with vetted content through uh, Teams at Ride, we really want to be able to take advantage of, but because of uh, potential relationship uh, you know, baggage or whatever yep. uh, between districts and, and the state, it wasn't as well utilized as it could have been. So through our office, in partnership with one of our nonprofit partners and with in part, sort of silent partnership with Steve's team, we've resurrected an OER design team with districts who are adding content into that repository and breathing new life into that repository so that we've got the access to the great stuff that Ride has already built and districts are feeling like it's owned by them and the process and the work and the content is owned by them even though it's adding to this wonderful thing that Ride's, that Ride's team had already put together. Right. It seems like it's more just changing the conditions for it to, to happen without that baggage because a lot of education we think is hindered by I'm competing with you or it just oh we've tried that before and just like reshaping that question sometimes just makes all the difference and and that's what I was thinking of as as you were saying that particular part there yeah and another one too that I think is a great example of like where we we tried before we stumbled and I think we've come up with a really good plan is um we have received a lot of folks in Rhode Island who are doing work in the first line space. And we had folks reach out to us about a year ago right, um, in terms of um, the need to, to transition to interoperable data standards. And I think, you know, from our perspective, whatever the future holds, um, we know that interoperable data is going to be a key part of it if what's happening in the, you know, the private sector and in commerce is any indication. Um, and so um, if Ride were to embark on a set of conversations about forcing schools to transition to an interoperable data standard, uh, it, would, it would not be met with uh, open arms. Right. What we've been able to do, partner together, and Danielle and her team have worked to, to identify a handful of school districts that are interested in it, um, give them the training, the resources, the tools, support conversations about how do you do it, and then we've made the commitment that we will change and run parallel systems um, for the folks who are willing to transition to that standard. Um, but again, those are the types of conversations that are not possible unless you have partners working closely together. Right. Um, and again, you've taken a very, very threatening conversation when we first brought it up, was uh, met with a lot of caution from our schools and districts to a place of like, hey, if you don't like it, it's fine. You don't have to change. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to partner together. Uh, you know, we're going to you know, let, let our largest vendors in the state know, like, this is something we want to see and want to support. And then we will make the changes on our side. Um, but that's the, the beauty of where you work together and, again, having, a, you know, ideally a supportive, responsive SEA, working with knowledgeable um, and thoughtful partners. Thank you so much for coming by today and sharing. It's really nice to hear um, the state, the more state-level perspective on how an organization, right, that is not often meant to be nimble or <laughs> move quickly, like you said early, can can make the changes to foster this the ecosystem of reverse lines learning. So thank you so much for coming back. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you.